Yeah, come on, give my hand. How you doing, church? Good, good, good. You look beautiful. That was not a compliment. I don't want to be beautiful. I want to be handsome. I want to be... Who said that? <gasps> Mrs. Wolf. Thank you, Mrs. Wolf. Bless you, Mrs. Wolf. Mrs. Wolf's going to be gone from me tonight at Ladies' Night Out. And uh, so, ladies, this is, uh, this is a great gathering. What time, honey? 5.45. So a couple really, uh, you know, we like to keep building you up, right? That's, that's what we hope to do is keep edifying you, making you an edifice, getting you bigger. No, you don't want that. Uh, stronger. Yeah, you want that. Okay. Uh, so, ladies, you know, so pouring into the ladies, that's one of the ways we do it, is with Ladies Night Out. She's, she's going to be sharing a great word tonight, and then her team will be there to build you up and encourage you. We just had a men of valor uh, with our valor dinner recently. That was cool. And then we have Club Wed coming up. So I heard this week we already had 24 of you uh, registered for Club Wed. That's coming up as well. We want you to bring extra money that night because we're catering Olive Garden food. Okay, okay. I'm also getting gluten-free soup. Actually, it's Pasta Appreciation Month. You didn't get that one, did you? Uh, and so uh, that's why we're doing Olive Garden, because it's uh, Pasta Appreciation Month. Did you, get, did you get that one? No. All right. Well, ravioli will go into the message in just a moment. All right. Everybody good? So that's coming up. Register for that, though, because uh, if you're married or engaged, we want to improve your relationship. If you're living together, as they call shacking up, we want you to come as well. And don't tell anybody. Just pretend you're married. <laughs> and come get wisdom. Yes. We can tell the difference, you know, those of you who are married don't kiss each other, so. Um, so if you come too smoochy, then we'll know you're shacking up. Shacking up. Thank you, baby. It was good. Little French action later, honey. And closing in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Okay, I'm in trouble now. Um, yeah, so we've been talking about uh, the title of our messages the last few weeks when I've been attempting to preach. 
uh, has been uh, Faith Works. I've been calling it Faith Works. Um, a little play on words because if we have faith, we're supposed to show it with works, right? And if we, if we say we have faith but we have no works, then according to James 2.26, our faith is actually dead, right? Uh, because faith without works is dead faith. It's not, it's not. So this muscle of faith that we have is meant to be exercised. And biblically, it's not meant to be exercised just for our needs, but it's meant to be exercised for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the body, for the sake of the church, for the sake of growing uh, the people of God around us. Amen. Uh, even, you know, a little word the Lord has spoken to me from time to time. He has said to me at various times when my mind has been maybe thinking a bad thought, a dumb thought, a, a wrong thought. Uh, he has said, don't worry about growing the church or church growth. He's said, just think about growing the people. But the same word applies for us in so many expressions, you know, personal expressions, is that sometimes we get captivated with the wrong mental picture or the wrong goal when it's really about loving one another. It's about building up one another. It's about Galatians 6.1, he that is spiritual restores. He wants us to be restorative in mind, amen? I'm going to be talking really super gentle again this morning because... Um, I'm still coming down with a healing, and uh, it's working its way through my whole system, and I'm doing better, and uh, I'm thanking the Lord for that. Amen? So, but as some of you know, about six weeks ago now, I did something terrible to my vocal cords, of which I don't know what it was, but it's not been good. And so, I've been recovering. And i um, glad to be on the other side of some recovery. The Lord moves mountains for us. Amen. Um, recently, we launched our team church, uh, our team church statement. And uh, we have had a very interesting time since we've launched our team church statement. Um, so, because we... We know that the Lord has brought us together, you and us. We know that you're called here, we're called here. We know that uh, we are meant to be a unified team. We're meant to labor together, to pull together, uh, to affect the kingdom together. Amen? And we have a motto that we've been pushing out there for a long time that we feel like is a good picture of some of this. Uh, and that motto goes like this that God wants to develop healthy Christians, and healthy Christians build a strong church. And a strong church will bring forth an effective kingdom. So, but all of this starts with who? Who does it start with? It starts with me, right? It starts with me. It, it, it starts with me. So, if I am so, uh, again today, you know, our focus is going to be uh, for a bit on becoming that healthy Christian. But, um, but again, I want us to be thinking, realizing that the lack of health in me, that it does affect the team. 
It does affect the team that God is building here. It affects the team I'm called to serve on or the team I'm called to lead or the team I'm called to develop. That, that uh, trouble with me uh, works its way into trouble outside of me, that I'm not living as an island, right? Uh, so... Um, and fact is, one of our one of the, one of the elements of our team statement. Have you heard our team statement? How many of you heard it? We passed it out as a magnet one morning, and then we passed it out at the all team rally. How many of you came to the team rally, the big team night? So we had about 120 of you at the team night. That was awesome, and uh, so many of you came that we had to repent for not ordering enough pizza. So our next team rally, we want all of you to come again, and we're going to have more than enough food to feed you. How many of you think that'd be okay? That'd be all right? Food and Jesus, best buddies right there, best buddies right there. Okay, so part of our team statement, it goes like this. I'm going to find it. I'll just read portions of it till I get to it. Maybe I'll get to it. Undivided, we stand shoulder to shoulder, focus fixed. We share the credit in victory and the responsibility in defeat. We are convinced there are better ideas in all of us than in one of us. We abandon smallness, fighting to live big, giving our lives for a shared vision. Generosity fuels our service. We are undeterred by offense. Going to the table... My photos want to keep moving to the other one. Going to the... We are undeterred by offense. Everybody say that. We are undeterred by offense. Now, by the way, what that says to me is that you might offend me, but I'm not quitting. What that says to me is that my covenant to this team and my covenant to you and my covenant to this church is bigger than our personal disagreement. And if I can't get over you, I'm going to get over myself until I'm over you. It doesn't say I'll never be offended it says, I will be undeterred in my objective to build a great church and an effective kingdom by our offenses that might come. Is that okay? Be, be, <laughs> oh, boy, now it went to YouTube. Oh, my word. Heaven help us. Jesus is real. Here it is. Okay, good. Um, now, listen, here's what it says next, Okay. And this, oh, stop that. Okay. Undeterred by offense, going to the table of truth often, refusing to allow personal disagreement to become team division. Okay. Now, here's what hit me is that 
Uh, I really like this team statement, and uh, Joel and I, we've been excited about it. We've been rallying around it, and the whole staff's been rallying around it, and the eldership team, we've all been talking about it, and we've brought it to you. Uh, but what has hit me over the last little bit is that going to the table of truth often, like to resolve, like to fix, like to heal, like to mend, uh, like to restore, like to reconcile, going to the table of truth often is only as effective as my crucified life allows it to be. Because if I'm going to the table of truth, if I'm, if I'm, I want to talk, we got to get together. No, we got to talk about this. And and if I've got to get together with you, I've got to get to the table. Oh, it's in the team statement right there. I have permission to go to the table of truth often. But if the, if bringing the truth to you does not pass through first the framework of a crucified life, then what I'm bringing to you may be more problems. It may be just a bunch of flesh. It might be a bunch of self. It, must be a, it might be just a bunch of carnality. It, must be, it might be more trouble. Are you hearing me? So I don't have permission to come to the table of truth if I haven't first gone to the cross. Now, I want to give you, I wrote down some hypothetical scenarios. So I want to read some of these hypotheticals. None of these happened. Wink, wink. None of these happened actually amongst us. Uh, and I have protected the names of the innocent and the guilty. But, but this is interesting. I want to throw these hypothetical scenarios at you as you consider what is truth, as we consider what is truth. So we're undeterred by offense. We've decided we're going to be undeterred by offense. But then we say, well, we're, but we're going to go to the table of truth often. But then we've actually said, but on the other side of going to the table of truth often, that is actually to share Maybe what was offensive, what hurt us, what, uh, what affected us, what, what's harmful about our team, what's going on in our team. Then it says, uh, I will not allow personal disagreement to become team division. Okay? So again, we're trying to set the framework for healthy Christian, right? Strong church, effective kingdom, and kind of what that looks like uh, a little bit interrelationally. And I just want to submit to you that sometimes truth can be skewed by our lack of application of the cross. That makes sense? For instance, someone resigned from the praise team because they weren't allowed to sing the lead part on a song that they introduced to the team. Was this a protest of fairness? After all, everything should be fair these days. You know, in 2019, everything has to be fair. You should be in charge of the implementation of the ideas that you bring. Isn't that truth? Or is the truth is that their voice wasn't the best voice for the song? Or is the truth, is, is the truth that they were really suffering under inappropriate rejection and bitterness? Now, by the way, when I read these to you, you'll have to figure out what the truth is. I'm actually not going to tell you. The fact is, I might offend you as I read these. 
Some of you are already offended. I see that. Another person dropped off of serving because they weren't thanked during the dessert auction after they had set up all of the tables. These are not real. These are all artificial. Miss Joel wants you to make sure that you know this. This actually didn't happen. But it could. This year. And you could be the winner. Was this that, that that church down there needs to start honoring people for their contribution? Or was this former hurt and injury that was never resolved? Was this self-pity? Was this somebody who isn't really walking in the love of the Lord that they already possess and they need the affirmation of others too much? An elder left the church because he was asked to give up his spot and allow someone else to serve on the team. What's the truth? Was this unfair? Others hadn't been asked to step down. If others hadn't been asked to step down, then why should he be asked? He needed to protect himself from such poor church leadership. He was leaving immediately. Was this rejection? Was this pride? Was it truth that he needed to protect himself? Or could it even be that the Lord was in the midst of this sovereignly trying to move him into a new area of ministry or expression, but his own pride got in the way? And so they left and became another casualty. I'm making these up. Smile at somebody right now. It's okay to laugh. A restoration, uh, a restored life mentor, a restored life recovered life mentor learns some juicy information about the history of a church member and shares the information with a team leader, the team leader of the department that this mentee and client was hoping to serve in. Is this protecting the church? What's the truth? Is this the privilege of leadership to uncover history as it's revealed about others to others in leadership? Is that a privilege that we just have in leadership that we can talk about you, but you don't know that we can talk about you, but it's okay if we talk about you as long as you don't know that we talk about you? What's the truth? Or is this slander? Is this slander and truly a lack of love? Another rumor circulates that Mrs. Pastor isn't spiritual or anointed because we've never heard her pray in the spirit. I'm making these up. She does, she does pray in the spirit. Is this truth? Um, if this is truth, shouldn't we let people know? I mean, shouldn't we? I mean, my word, we are now being led by Mrs. Pastor. She's like the co-pastor of this church, and she's not even spiritual. 
Shouldn't we notify somebody? Or is this rebellion, pride, and the undermining of authority? Somebody on the decor team didn't like the new color of the walls in the foyer and made it known. But their opinion was not heeded. Why do they even serve on the stupid team if nobody's going to listen to them? I mean, when I give my opinion, it should be heeded. Should they expose the problem in leadership? Should they find a new church? Certainly that's their opinion right now. Truthful protest. Was this truthful protest or was the person just cooperating with jealousy and selfish ambition? A children's team member resigned saying there's just too much pressure to perform. Is this the case or do they have no prayer life? Could it be that they aren't feeding on the Lord and have little inner strength? Another person felt that if they were given the leadership of a department, then the pastors should just let them run the department the way they want, the, the way they want to. They can't stand being micromanaged and feel they aren't trusted. Is this the truth? Or is the truth that they struggle with failure and use control to manage their fear? Last one. Better look at somebody again, poke them. You ever get a poke on Facebook? What are you supposed to do with that? And then it says, poke them back. Like, is this the Pillsbury Doughboy or what? What is this all about? Another person hates failure and can't stand it when people let them down. They would do all of the ministry if they could, people. That's why I just try to do everything on my own. The truth is, people seem to ruin everything and make them look bad when they're really quite amazing. What's the truth? Paul wrote to the churches several times, and, and, and you know, what do we do? Zach's referencing it this morning in his exhortation to us. We have an access to the Holy Spirit, and he has an access to us because of the blood of Jesus, because of the righteousness that has been credited to our account. There's an exchange of righteousness that we can have this audience with God. But then progressively, God is working out in us a holiness wherein we are being washed and sanctified and we are choosing to put to death 
the attributes, the behaviors, the mindset, the emotions of the old nature, the sinful nature, the Adamic nature, the carnal nature, the fleshly nature, whatever you want to call it, every one of those words is biblical. Paul uses a bunch of those words. And Jesus tells us that we have to take up our cross daily to follow him. Yes? Fact is, if you're like me, several times a day is good. And what he's talking about there, he's talking about putting, putting the flesh nature, the, the works of the flesh, the sinful nature, the old nature, the, the pre-conversion nature, the nature not from above, but the nature from beneath, that nature that we are separated from in the waters of baptism. We've declared that nature to be dead and buried. Putting that nature to death and... And not just putting that nature to death, but putting the, the need, the asserting to be the Lord of your life to death. There's actually a biblical reason why we call him Lord. It means that he's in charge. Lord means boss. I remember vividly a couple of years ago, uh, a few years ago, uh, but one of, you know, um, one of our high-level leaders here in the church developing this theology that he should never do anything that he didn't want to do. Anything that he wasn't passionate about doing, he shouldn't do it. So when he got that theological revelation, he resigned from a bunch of stuff, changed his whole trajectory of life, and, and I mean, everything switched because he should never do anything he wasn't passionate to do and anything he wasn't excited to do. I am so glad Jesus didn't have that theology. Because my Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that he despised the cross. But he did it for the prize. That he embraced something hard for the prize and because this was Father's will. So remember the prayer in Matthew 26, remember the prayer in the garden. The prayer was, if there's any way for me not to drink this cup, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I think that is the most important prayer of the Christian moment by moment. And it means putting some stuff to death. 
And I'm suggesting you, to you today that I think we can only be relating to one another in truth, even in love. Because Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. I've seen a lot of Christians frame that really well. I'm only telling you this because I loved you. And then what comes out is extremely damaging. But because they prefaced it with love and ended it with love, it meets the qualifications of Ephesians 4.15. So they think. But it totally bypassed the love chapter. Hello? If it bypasses the love chapter, it could be that the truth you're speaking bypassed the cross. It could be that you didn't run it through the cross first and get everything flesh in you crucified before you sandwiched it with wonder bread love. Let me just read it to you. Love is patient. Oop. Hmm. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. This is, by the way, we're, this is agape love, right? This is agape. This is unconditional love, agape love. This is the kind of love we're called to. Remember in John 21 when Peter, uh, when Jesus is saying to Peter, do you love me? And they have that conversation and Peter keeps saying, I phileo you. And Jesus says, yeah, but you agape me, right? Do you agape me? You know I phileo you. No, 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 no. Wrong, wrong answer. Um, I'm not asking if we're buddies and pals. I'm asking, do we have an unconditional flame between us? Do we have a fire of love between us that nothing can separate, that nothing can break, that we are so bound together in covenant like these two right here, right? So 37 years, disagreements, fights, different opinions, different ways of seeing things, but we are bound together for life. Are you bound together in life to the body and to the mission and to the calling where God has called you? Or are you going to let something push you off of it? And sometimes what I'm saying, what the thing that we let push us out of the very team that we're called to is right here. It's something we haven't crucified. It's something we haven't dealt with. It's something that we haven't taken to the cross. It's something, and it's not just crucifying it, but it's dismissing the spiritual power attached to it. You see, the flesh man doesn't exist in a spiritual vacuum. The flesh nature is one with the demonic realm. Well, 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 I, 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 don't, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah? How about your husband when he's uh, messing around in porn? No demons involved there? How about when he set up that rendezvous for the soda pop with the other lady? 
No, no, de no demons involved there. Hmm. No, 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 no. If if it if it's demonic with porn, it's demonic with envy. It's demonic with jealousy. It's demonic with fits of rage. It's demonic with bitterness. And when this stuff springs up, Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no root of bitterness springing up causes defilement. Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up. Because when it springs, see, this is the way roots work. These root systems in our soul are attached to the demonic realm. And it's the stuff we got to keep bringing to the cross, but we also have to confront the spirits attached to it. And it doesn't have to control you all the time. Envy doesn't control me all the time. Covetousness doesn't control me all the time. Jealousy doesn't control me all the time. I don't think it's that big a deal. I just, I don't even think I have a problem with it. <laughs> but under pressure, I can turn into the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> under pressure, under the right pressure. You see, you see, if we're taking stuff to the cross and we're not dismissing the spirits attached to it, then when we get into pressure... We do what your knee does when the doctor hits you with the rubber mallet. You don't have time to go back into logic and reasoning and taking every thought captive. The moment you're under the pressure of something that hits that nerve of envy or jealousy or bitterness or hatred or gossip or slander, you have a reflex, and out it comes. The mouth opens, and you slander somebody. The mouth opens, and you gossip. The mouth opens, and you chime in. The mouth opens. I know if this has happened to you because it's happened to me. Any, anybody in the room it's happened to? Actually, sometimes the moment I'm doing it, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, how's she by? How's she by now? How's she by? Zip the lip, child of God. You ever heard that? You ever heard that? Anybody? What? And then afterwards, you look back at that, you're like, oh, my word, what was that all about? I'll tell you what that was about. That wasn't just carnality. That was you tuning in to the inspiration of the demonic realm. And if you will take note of that very thing, don't just bring it to the cross and repent of it. That was yesterday's religion. Yesterday's religion stopped with repenting. And it did not produce the fruit of a new creation life. Today, the word today doesn't stop with repenting. We move on into renouncing that thing and breaking the covenant with it and tearing it down and issuing a divorce over that attitude, that mindset, that emotion, that thought. And then we move into resisting that spirit. Then we move into resisting that spirit. We move from James 3.13, the wisdom from beneath is earthy, sensual. That doesn't mean sexy. Sensual means 
of the sense realm Is there so much reference in the New Testament about being free if we were never bound? Or why is there so much reference to being free if at the moment of salvation you became immediately free? Why would you need the truth? Actually, the truth from above. Like we talked about, what in the world is truth? Why would you need the truth? John 8, 31 and 32. You shall know the truth. You shall become intimate with the truth. You shall yield to the truth. You shall become intimate with the truth, and the truth will set you free. Did we ever get the love? Listen to, listen to love out of the Passion Translation. Um, are we okay? Oh, my word, I'm almost out of time. Have you gotten anything out of this? <laughs> love is large and incredibly patient. This is the Passion. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. I just think that we, uh, we who are, uh, and I want the band to come, so we made it, my voice survived, and it feels pretty good, and we are going to see the goodness of God continue to heal Pastor Duane's voice. Um, you want to hear something crazy? I got a text message from a church member who said, um, if your voice is bad, it means you're in sin. You've done something wrong with God. <laughs> and I said, no, you're wrong. Actually, I blew my voice out in one of the most anointed services we've ever had, and I enjoyed every moment of it. <laughs> It was not a devil, and it wasn't a sin. And glory to God, I shall be restored. Oh, yeah. 
the joys. If it weren't for people, wouldn't this ministry stuff be wonderful? <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to say that. That's what we can't say. See, see we have to fight. You know, God, God knits you here. You, you, have, you have to know you've got to fight devils to stay here. And, and some of the devils that you have to fight aren't just with another church member, but they're right here. And if you're still stuck in yesterday's religion, come to Restored Life. This, this Wednesday night, we're meeting again. You're welcome to come. Come to Restored Life. Come learn about deliverance and your authority. Come learn about uh, using your authority. Uh, yesterday's religion stopped at repentance. And I'm telling you, repentance didn't set me free from the demonic power of sexual addiction. It didn't set me free from anger and rage. It didn't set me free from rejection and inferiority. Repentance didn't do that. I needed to dismiss those influences. I needed to learn to exercise my authority given to me, the authority given me by Jesus over the sovereignty that he gave me as a person called in him. So that those things that were put to death in the cross, strongholds have strong men. So those strongholds and those strong men would be confronted and moved out of my life. This week I was, I met with one of the church members and we were talking about all of this with them and it was so good. Uh, we were talking about how we have a very, sometimes we have a very busy mind. Until you've experienced deliverance, living a Christian life can be really hard because you're trying to manage all of these negative thoughts. But once you've experienced deliverance, it's pretty amazing. You don't have to manage all these negative thoughts because all of the speakers have been kicked out. So I'm not trying to manage a bunch of sexual thoughts every time I see a pretty woman or any woman. I'm not trying to manage a bunch of rage every time Joel and I have a, disappoint, a, a disagreement. I'm not trying to manage rejection every time I bump into somebody who's doing more in life than I am. Why is that? Because the speakers have been kicked out. And there's so much freedom in deliverance. If you haven't experienced deliverance, I just invite you. Don't stay in yesterday's religion, coming up to repentance, where you make things right with God, but never moving into rebuke, where you put the enemy under your feet. You see, the enemy's meant to be under your feet. So we come to repentance where we make things right with God, but then we move into rebuking the enemy so that we can thoroughly put the enemy under our feet. Let's stand this morning. I'm, I'm going I'm to throw out there a wild call as we close with worship. Uh, we like to close with worship and allow you to worship, but I'm going to throw out a wild call. That is, if there's something, envy, jealousy, selfish ambition, blame, who would want to come forward right now? judgment, hatred, division, strife, fear, anxiety, control, worthlessness, pride. 
I'm afraid if I opened the altars right now, not one person would move because who wants to admit that's why I'm going forward? So I'm going to open the altars this morning. If you need a job or an increase of finances, we'll know why you're really coming up. But if this touches you and you just realize that, hey, I need to get more vigilant about crucifying the, the sinful nature. I, I, I'm letting some stuff sneak into my present life, my mind, my thoughts that shouldn't be sneaking in. If that's you, just, just come and hang out with the Lord for a minute as we close. Amen. Father, I, I thank you that you have given us authority over the demonic realm authority over the life that we once lived, the life that we once knew, and that holiness is transpiring right now, that you're working out a washing with us right now. And that we're in agreement, we're in agreement right now, that the attributes of that old person are put to death in the cross, and we're moving beyond repentance now making our heart right with you. We're moving into rebuke. We're coming into a position and a place where we're asserting, asserting our sovereignty over the enemy. And we're kicking him out. We're kicking envy out, jealousy out, rage out, fits out, rejection out, judgment out, slander out, gossip out. We're kicking it out. We're kicking every spirit that traffics in that narrative out, out of our soul. We're going to be diligent to do it, and we thank you for the sanctification that comes. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, God bless you, church.